kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants, to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made us, or made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. And then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I have kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And Jesus said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, you say, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him, give it to the one who has ten minas, And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas already. I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even that what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. Teach us. Write these eternal truths on our hearts. Amen. All right, so I'm all in. You know, when we say that, when we say I'm all in, that means there's no doubt about it. I'm going to be there. Uh, we're not doubtful about it. You know, think about when somebody invites you to a party uh, and then you say, well, I'm so there. I'm all in. That sounds like a great idea. Um, sometimes you don't want to commit to a party. You're not sure how it's going to be. And so a friend might text you or snap you a picture of how fun it is at the party, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to that. Uh, but if you don't go, then you see on Instagram later that it was really fun, then you're going to be like kicking yourself because I should have went to that. Sometimes we just kind of hedge our bets and we don't know what to do with our time. And so, um, you know, uh, we... We, we just, we're, we're, we're afraid we're going to mess up sometimes, so we're not, we're not sure if we're going to go all in. So we take a wait-and-see approach. Well, Jesus is saying here that when you become a Christian, there's going to be times in your life in which you're not really sure how this is going to turn out. Um, you're not sure that, you're not, it's going to start to feel that Jesus is not a sure thing. And you fear that committing to Jesus all the way is not going to turn out well for you. Now, if you look back at the very first verse we've read, it said, after they heard these things, the immediately, immediate preceding story in your Bible, you have it open, is the Zacchaeus story, where Zacchaeus is a sinner, a tax collector that Jesus takes and, and welcomes him and, and says, today this salvation has come to this man in his house. And so after his disciples hear that, they start to think, oh, the kingdom of God's here, and so come immediately. And so Jesus is saying, hey, it's going to take a while. 
this is a marathon, not a sprint. And so there's going to be times where you're going to doubt. And so he tells a story in order to help them to, to say, I'm going to go all in even when, it, when, when this thing seems uncertain, when it doesn't seem like a good idea, when I might lose something for Jesus over the long haul. Um, he's going to tell them a story. That's the, that's, the, that's the theme here. And so there's an analogy to marriage. You know, when, when you get married, you're going to stand in front of a church and you know, make all these vows to one person. You're going to say yes to one person and no to every other single person out there. And, you're going to, and sometimes you're going to worry on the days up to that, like, am I making a huge mistake? Uh, is this, is this a, a, something that is, uh, is, am I going to lose out of this? And the answer is yes. <laughs> we're all going to lose. We're, we're, but, we're going to, but, that's, but that's awesome. We're going to lose all this other potential, but then you can hone in all of your love and energy into one person. Uh, and, and, it, and it is the best decision of your life to get married and commit to one person. Um, that's it. But then there's this doubt that creeps in, like, have I messed up? Is there something better? And so that's what these these men, these men and women who follow Jesus, were going to be tempted to think. Just like in a marriage or any other commitment you make, the job or anything else, have I messed up when things don't look so good? Um, so it, it's going to take vulnerability, of course, to serve Jesus and to follow him as a Christian. That's what life is going to be like for us, vulnerability. We don't, things don't always look like they're going to turn out great. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not as imminent as you think, disciples, and it may appear as though it's never going to get here. And you might start to doubt. We fear all the time about committing, don't we? And in the story before us, these men have been given meanness. Y'all know what meanness is? We, we, we use this all the time, right? Meanness. Uh, 100 days pay. A mina. So one mina, 100 days pay. Now that's, that's over three months of pay. That's an engagement ring, y'all. That's a lot of money. Um, that's a good engagement ring. Um, so, like, so one guy got 10 minas. That's a lot of engagement rings. And then some got a, a, a good number of engagement rings. And one got one engagement ring. So 100 days pay. And so this nobleman has to go away to go earn his kingdom. And, and you know, fight for it, right? There's doubt about it. They're not sure if, because you know, there's people out there who don't like this guy. And they hate it. It says in verse 14, citizens hated him and say, we don't want this man to reign over us. And so you can imagine they've got this man's resources. And if they start using these resources to build up and trade, um, everyone's going to identify them with the unpopular politician, so to speak. You know, it's like, think of the war between the states, the North and the South. And when the South started to win, it seemed like they're winning, the North, like big Northern companies started to pull back support uh, to, to the North. And, and it's because you don't want to be on the losing team. You know, you, you, like, it just doesn't make sense to, to support a loser. And so they're worried, that they ought to be worried that this guy might lose and they'd be left out in the new regime, whoever takes his spot, because they won't be that guy's guys, they'll be the loser's guys. And so that's why um, this guy gets mad at the end uh, that the, the third servant mentions doesn't use his mina, uh, but the, other, the, the first two take their minas 
and they actually believe in the ruler or the king or the governor here. They believe in him, that he, they, they have trust that he's going to win this thing and he'll prevail. And so they're going to go forward with this, risking everything. They are all in. And Jesus is really mad, or the, the, the servant here is really mad, or the king is mad at the servant who doesn't go all in. Okay, so I hope that helps uh, to clarify what's, what the situation is here. Okay, so you've got all this money that has been given to him, all these resources, and he doesn't use them. And so, um, so I'm going to look at today um, how we need to really commit to this stuff. There's a lot of work to do in the kingdom of God, and we're a part of that. You know, and think about these guys. They had so much ahead of them. They thought it was going to happen today, but there was a lot to do. They had to, you know, feed the hungry, uh, bring forgiveness to their enemies, clothe the naked, uh, be about holiness, righteousness, purity, um, create new institutions and structures to be built. Uh, churches had to be built. Missions had to happen. Uh, RUFs had to be planted uh, 20 centuries later. You know, like that had to happen. So uh, at OU, and, and this is part of the kingdom of God. And so it, was, it appeared to be imminent for them, but it was going to be delayed a little while. And so you got to go all in there even when uh, there's a lot to do and it may not be in our lifetime that we see the fulfillment of what we're doing. Uh, and so five reasons why we fear commitment with Jesus. Uh, we fear first that we, you know, we don't really make a difference anyway, so why try? It's kind of like the, the, this is why a lot of us don't vote. Like, uh, I live in Oklahoma, so... <laughs> Uh, I, it's going to be a red state anyway, so if I vote for president uh, and I disagree with that, then it doesn't matter. So my vote doesn't count. So, so like we kind of functionally think my vote doesn't count, okay? Uh, this sort of this idea of, like, I don't count. So the belief is there, my effort's meaningless in this whole thing, so I'm not going to put forward effort toward following Jesus, scrutinizing my life, living community, bringing it under this reformation that Jesus is calling me to. Jesus though, is saying that our efforts matter. Um, there's a significant amount of time between the now for them and the kingdom coming in its fulfillment. And, and so he gives us resources to use. He judged the third guy for not using the resources given. Um, what we do matters with our resources. Your, your resources do make a difference. These resources doubled. Okay, and so you, what you have will make a difference. There will be doubling, um, multiplication. And so the first root of our fear of commitment is we don't feel like we make a difference, but we, always, we can't always see the difference that what we're going to do is going to, our vote's going to matter. You know, there's, that, uh, there's an old, I think it's a um, Nicolas Cage movie where he, like, there's like a, it's a, it comes down to one guy's vote and he's that guy. And he has to make the vote to put over one candidate or the other. Um, you never know what position you're going to be in. And so you just be faithful, um, realizing that what you do will matter more than you're ever going to know. Uh, so fear that, our, that we can't make a difference. Secondly, we fear committing all the way to Jesus because the task maybe seems too big for us. Okay? We see people making these 10 to 1 profits on their minas or 5 to 1 profits on their minas. And I see my IRA Roth going down every year. And I'm like, well, oh, I can't do this. I'm not cut out for this. Spiritually, I'm not a giant like some people out there. And so I'm just not, I, Jesus can do it without me. You know, I'm just going to kind of coast. You know, people are making good gains, but not me. It looks likely 
unlikely for me. So, uh, so I fear committing to the hard work of sanctification, and so I'm going to hedge. And so we'll work on things in our Christian lives that are easy for us, but the hard things where we struggle and feel defeated, we're going to give up fighting. And so we, we develop a compartmentalization of our lives. Uh, in some areas, Jesus is the king, but in some areas, Jesus is not the king. He's the king of my Sunday morning and maybe my, my Thursday morning, you know, s- small group, but, but not over my money, not over my thoughts. And so Jesus can be my king of grace in some areas, but not in others. You know, Jesus can, that's fine, all Danny, that God can forgive my sins, but I'm going to hold a grudge like nobody's business. I'm going to flip off people when they don't let me turn left out of the, out of, um, the, the gas station. We get angry. Jesus is king of valuing, recycling, and kale, and eating healthy and exercising. I'm going to talk all about that. But talking to somebody about Jesus is a little bit harder. I don't like to do that, and so I'm not going to do that. So there's, there's areas in which I just, I'm just going to gossip and not do anything like that because... I am defeated in those areas. It's too hard. Third reason, or the second reason, I don't jump in full on with Jesus and all in is that it's hard. Okay? It seems hopeless. We don't, we don't feel like it's going to make a difference at all. It's not worth our time. And so, why well, read the Bible and pray? Why? Okay, third fear, uh, third root of our fear of committing to Jesus is uh, we're hedging because he's not really the Lord of our lives yet. Um, This guy is astutely observing that the citizens are resisting his master. And he's a bandwagoner. Okay, we're all, you know, we all are bandwagoners in a sense. I think Jayton's a Green Bay Packers fan. How'd that happen? I don't know. So they were good, you know, when he was growing up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, so there's another Packers fan. Yes, okay. So, um, but yeah, these like, you know, you, you might you might be a Florida State fan this year. They're number one. You know, you might want to jump on board with them. No, you wouldn't do that. That'd be crazy. Uh, stick with your number three Sooners and let it play out for the whole season. Um, don't jump on the number one team. Commit. Okay. So um, this guy was was afraid he would line up on the losing side. Okay. The Lord was not the the Lord of his life. He was the Lord of his life. He wanted to, he had to have everything like he wanted it to be. He was fearing that he was going to lose because what he wanted was the main thing. And he did not want to be on the losing side of this political struggle. And so um, fear of commitment can come out of, you know, our existential questions that we can't answer. Um, You might ask, you know, how do we know God created us? Um, How do we know he's going to bring judgment one day? How can we know Jesus existed and died and rose again? These are questions. You haven't seen any of those events. Um, You know, frankly, you've seen a lot more bad stuff in the church. People have hurt you in the name of Jesus. And people are objecting loudly and making a lot of noise against Jesus and Christianity. And so we see those things... And so we just blame it on God and we're like, man, why can't you make this clearer to me, Jesus? Why couldn't, well, it's your fault for not making it clearer. Um, if if, if this, this man could say, well, if I had more, a, more surety that you would have won, then, then I would have taken a, taken a risk here. 
And so the uncertainty is nagging. We fear, we fear that investing in Jesus, um, we're going to take a hit doing so, and then we, we don't like to conform to law codes that we don't like. We fear, one, being ridiculed uh, amongst our friends. So we'll hedge. You know, I like to think about, you know, like when you uh, in college and you see somebody from high school and, you know, you've got a new friend group now and you're not sure how your new friend group will, will react to that, that old friend. And so you kind of act like you didn't see that person uh, because you're like, well, I mean, <laughs> that might take a hit for being associated with those people. You know, so that, I mean, we do that all the time. We're worried about how people are going to judge us and what they're thinking about us. And so we do that in all kinds of ways. And we don't want to be known for something that's not popular. No one likes to be on the unpopular team, right? So, so we fear because he's not really the Lord of our lives. It's I'm the Lord. It's what I need that matters the most. Fourth, I think this story uh, is, is really interesting because the man is, is confronted by Jesus and he lies. Um, in verse 20 and 21, he says, Lord, here's your meaning, which I've laid away, kept in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. Now, that's, the, that's what you want to tell to somebody who's got the power and is, um, get, can, can kill you. Oh, you're a severe man. You're kind of a jerk. And you take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. It's an unwise thing to say um, to him. But, he, he's, it, but then the master points out, well, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. If you knew I was a severe man, you would have at least put it in the bank and earned interest so it, so it could have something in return from you. But no, you just made up an excuse. Um, and so the fourth thing is we really don't even believe what we say sometimes. We just make stuff up. We don't really believe what we say. Um, you know, there, there, um, we make excuses. We fear commitment, so we just make excuses. We'll believe anything. We'll say, well, I won't follow Jesus now, but I'll follow him after college. Okay, we don't believe that. We just say that. You know, um, it, that makes zero sense anyway. If God is God, then uh, w- doing what he wants now would be best. We don't believe it. We treat Jesus like dirty dishes. Okay, I'll get around to those when they start to mold and stink. Uh, we'll pile them up. When, you know, that's, a, that's a guy's dorm room thing, a guy's apartment and college thing. Jesus is like our dirty dishes. For me, it's mowing the yard. Uh, until it gets really embarrassing for my neighbors, I, <laughs> I won't mow it. So, but I won't, I don't, I'll get around to it later, of course. Um, clean the house when people are coming over. Okay, that kind of stuff. Um, so he's the Lord and the judge of all. He has all the authority in the universe. Uh, and so if that's true and we're not with him, then we're against him. And we start to see that come out in the master here. Uh, the fourth reason here, we're, we're, we're afraid we don't believe in him, and, and we, are, you know, we make up excuses, and that's not going to work. He's going to call us on our excuses. You know, we see this when he, when he says, look, um, bring them here and slaughter them. Okay? <laughs> I look at myself and I think, well, that's kind of what Jesus should say about me. I mean... I'm a minister. I get to talk to people all the time about Jesus, pray for them, pray with them. I baptize people. Uh, but the gap between what I actually do and what I ought to be doing is great. I mean, you, we all can say that. We all can look and say, if we looked at our lives, 
we have so much to be ashamed about. We could look at this, like Jesus could look us in the eye and say, you have really buried some minas here. And you have not been faithful in going all in here. And so he sends for this servant. He sends for men to take him, pronouncing judgment, saying, bring them here and slaughter them, or the, 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 the opponents, he says. And so in a lot of ways, we're like the opponents in verse 27. We're the ones who have married or have merited uh, slaughter. And that's the end of the story. No resolution, right? Uh, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Happy ending, right? Uh, a slaughterhouse comes, okay? So we're going to take the opponents and slaughter them. Now, um, and then it says, then he went on to Jerusalem, okay? So I'm going to say that the fifth and final reason we fear commitment is we haven't actually heard the surprise ending to this story. You know, there is, you know, the, there is an ending, okay? It ha- there had to be an ending. It's not in the Bible, but um, Kenneth Bailey's commentary uh, really helped me out here. Uh, he's a Middle East scholar, and he says that, that there's a cultural difference in play here that's worth noting. He says in our culture today, uh, when, you're, when, when your boss says to you, you're fired, have your stuff out of your desk by Friday, that means what? You're fired, have your stuff out of your desk on Friday. Clear. Okay, we all understand what that means. Now, he says in this culture, in this, in this text, uh, this would be, be the beginning of a long negotiation progress or process, and an advocate would be sought. Now, when, when you're... When a, a declaration of bring them here and slaughter them, uh, is, it, it's not a necessarily a, a foregone conclusion that they're going to be slaughtered. There could be negotiations. There could be a lawyer come in and, and mediate between the parties and actually win, um, win the lives of, of, these, uh, of these men, these opponents. Okay? Um, so I'm going to say that really the reason we don't commit is we believe everything about God that is wrong. Uh, and, and we're not able to overcome our commitment, fear, and just do something for Jesus because we don't believe this is like what God is like. That there's actually not grace in him. There's not mercy in him. Uh, that, that, this, that this master is actually probably going to show mercy here. So God is like this. He both demands the ultimate, ultimate penalty from, this, from, this, from these enemies... But he also is going to provide the ultimate advocate, the one who's going to go to Jerusalem and die for his enemies. His own son is an advocate to plead our case before the father and say, no, no, no. Justin has to stay. Zach has to stay. You can't fire him because of what I'm going to do. Um, he's, we are full of fear and doubt and hedge badly and we stood there, condemned, sinning, and then Jesus says, I offer my life in his place, her place. I will be slaughtered for those you love. The, 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 the just penalty is slaughter, and Jesus takes that. The third servant, Mina, is taken away, but the story's not really over. There's still time for us to see the Father's mercy and go all in. There's time for all of us today who resemble the third servant, who resemble the enemies even, who are outside of the kingdom. There's time for us. 
So what is it to be a Christian and go all in? It is really to be in a relationship with someone who is first gone all in for you. With someone like that, you can't help but go all in for. Somebody has done that for you. That's the way God has built this uh, in our relationships with him. We see that he has gone all in for us. And when we actually hear that and remember that and cherish that and see it in our hearts, then we will follow him. One example of what it is to be a Christian is that we're all like an engaged fiance. Um, so like Jesus is the, the, the man in this situation and we're the fiance or you know, whatever. So, or it could be the other way, I guess. Uh, but they, we benefit immensely as an engaged person or we can be destroyed by the person we're engaged to. Uh, and, and as far as is that person going to be faithful and love us or are they going to be a terrible person? Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, this, this all, the, the story kind of came from a story I heard last spring about a guy named John Meese, uh, who, was a, who was a grad student at Pacific Northwest University, uh, close to Seattle. And what happened is there was, a, I don't know if y'all heard this story, but there was a shooter on campus and he killed one, one person and he injured others. But as he was reloading, John Meese, the grad student, took him down. Okay, he took the shooter down. It was extreme bravery, uh, heroism, of taking down a shooter on a college campus. This is a student taking him down. So I, I pray that some of you guys will be heroes. Uh, I pray that never happens to us or anyone else. But this was a man who was courageous. Now, John Meese had a fiance, and he had a roommate. His roommate saw and knew that John Meese had this registry at Target and Bed Bath and & Beyond. And so what he did was he got on Twitter and started tweeting about what John Meese had did. And he set up a, an, an account where people could donate to the registries and, and acquire everything on their registry. And they had enough money to buy them this awesome honeymoon. So they got, a, a, you know, a, so now a registry, let me just explain this to you. A re, I got, when I got married, I got nothing. Okay, I got no tool party, nothing. I did get stuff. Okay, I got plates, I got kitchenware, I got all things I don't use. Okay, like Meredith got, I mean, I use towels. I use, okay, so like we get all these things that, that I don't care about but are nice, really nice things. But this is for the bride, let's be honest here, usually. The bride gets more jazzed about the wedding gifts. Okay, so. That was me. And that's John Meese. That's every man who's ever lived in a, in, a, in a marriage situation. You benefit in the registry. The wife does. And so her fiancé faced down death, took down a shooter when he was reloading, and that's exactly how we relate to Jesus, isn't it not? We are on the sidelines, and Satan is the shooter, He's already killed one already, God's son, and he's reloading, but then boom, spirit intercedes and Jesus is resurrected and Jesus crushes Satan, takes him down. He's raised for our justification, all who believe in him. And, and the question is, will you trust in a God like that, a fiance like that, who his heroism brings you everything that you are? It fills you. Okay? Just wait. Don't play the field because Jesus has overcome the shooter. 
We stand with nothing in our hands to bring Jesus. Simply to the cross we cling. We are clinging to the cross today. And so my question to you is, what is it for you that God would have you to commit to today? What have you been putting off doing that you need to do? What have you been hedging on and bearing? That thing that you know He demands from you, that thing you need to give away, do you understand that there is mercy for you? Though you have been unfaithful for so long, there is still mercy for you. There's an advocate. There's a hero. There's a surprise ending, even for failures, like the opponents, like the third servant, like me. There is mercy for failures like me. And let's ask for an increase of our faith this morning to go all in and stop hedging on that. Let's, let's pray. Dear God, these words are amazing uh, that you gave us a, a story to confused, afraid disciples that would teach us. You gave us your word to encourage us. Lord, may we not walk away discouraged but encouraged uh, to, to face the challenges that we have in our following you. Uh, as, as, whether, it be, whether we're... Um, a young child or a, a college student, a, uh, you know, senior citizen, whatever place we are, married, single, wherever we are, whatever it is we need to do for you in our job, in our neighborhoods, wherever you take us, Lord, would you give us the faith to do that? Would you increase our faith in who you are? We stop making excuses. Stop disbelieving you. Stop thinking we're not going to matter. Stop thinking that it is just too hard because we don't trust you. And stop forgetting the surprise ending of a story. You've given us the cross. You've prayed for us. You've prayed for your enemies, saying, Father, forgive them if they know not what they do. And so as you have prayed, Jesus, as we've all been your enemies, would you give us faith to believe that you're at work in us still, and you're going to bring more and more enemies to yourself. You're going to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, give us, give us assurance to be investors in that, to be givers in that, and to be, um, um, some, some would say foolish in that, risky, radical to do it, uh, that because we are not hedging our bets anymore, because you're at work in us, and we believe you. We pray in Christ's name, amen.